Hey there, film fans! What's happening? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Second Day Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Tuesday, June 25th, 2019. The sun is shining. It's a cool, crisp, wonderful day here in Michigan. Not too hot, not too cold. The beautiful freshwater lakeshore and picturesque dunes are a mere 30 miles away. Uh, really, it's just one of those days that remind you how fi- fantastic an unbeaten summertime in Michigan is. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Champion, a lifelong Michigan-loving, mitten-state-touting Yankee. Joined today by Mr. Evan Dean. Don't you feel bad for all those people who don't live here in this great Oh, state? man! What are you trying to say here? You want to just get to the point? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. In all seriousness, today is the end of an era it with is. the Second Day Film Podcast. Uh, Evan Dean, a founding member. You're moving on to Florida. So, uh, yeah. Why don't you tell the people yeah. what's going on here? So, um, four years in Grand Rapids a lifelong in Florida, um, and it's time to go south. My wife has accepted a job, a, a really great job opportunity, and we're heading to Fort Myers, Florida. We are leaving in just a couple of days, um, so a new adventure for us. We're really excited. We're stoked about the new opportunity. Of course, we're going to miss the SDFP, and uh, you know, we're, we're hoping um, to make some appearances, uh, you know, via via the the interwebs it's it's interesting champ uh, i didn't even realize this until i started playing fantasy baseball um there's uh, some podcasts where people are on podcasts from several different states apart yeah yeah it's uh it is 2019 so the technology is such that we can still do some long distance yeah. podcasts and like uh, i wrote down you know it doesn't mean that evan's never going to be on the pod sure. again you know but uh Appearances might be a little more sporadic, considering yeah. uh, we've got several states in between us. Uh, obviously, bittersweet for me to see you guys go uh, down to Florida. You know, you're one of my best friends, the best man at my wedding. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed us being in basically the same city for like the last, you know, basically our whole lives. Almost, yeah. Um, no through doubt, college man. and then here. So, um, but at least we got the pod going. We'll definitely try and get you on soon. And obviously wish the best for you guys down in Florida. And I got a free place to stay down there in the sunshine. Absolutely. State now, hey, so that's been, a perk. Yeah. You know, we're a couple hours from Disney, from universal, from all of the best places you want to, you know, come and be a tourist. So whenever you, you know, you need to come down there, you've got a spot. Okay. Watch out for croc gators. Those are, I heard they're, you know, kind of all over the place. Them, hurricanes, and 100 degree heat and humidity. We've got a few challenges, but we're excited. Yeah, you can come stay here when, uh, you know, the hurricanes come. (laughs) Yeah, right. Doors always open. (laughs) Anyways, coming up on today's somber, depressing show, uh, Evan and I will be be discussing some of the things we've been watching lately. Uh, Includes some television, it sounds like, that Evan's maybe actually been taking uh, advantage of some of my recommendations for the first time in his life. Um, and that'll all lead up to our featured review today, which is the first of, or the second of three live action Disney releases coming out this year. Uh, it's Aladdin. Yeah. Um, but before we get to all that, we always like to remind you how to get in touch with us. Evan, do you uh, still remember how to I get do. in touch with us? I do. So obviously the most important thing, uh, Facebook, uh, Second Day Film Podcast, Twitter at Second Day Film you can email us, uh, secondayfilm at gmail.com. And, of course, uh, you can listen in on uh, iTunes. You can also listen in on SoundCloud. And we've got everything. I mean, everything we've ever done is posted. And there's some pretty fun pods from back in the day. And uh, some good you know, chances to maybe, if you haven't seen something that's older, the chances are good we've seen it. Mm-hmm. So you can always check back and listen to old pods as well. Yeah. While iTunes uh, is still a thing, that is, I, I understand that Apple's going to be yeah, ditching right. iTunes. So we might have to get on Spotify or uh, uh, Stitcher or some yeah. of these other apps uh, pretty soon. Are they going to like ditch the podcast aspect of it too? I think iTunes is just going away. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it tells you how you know technology That's moves crazy. along. Because I remember when iTunes was like the hot new thing. Absolutely. So, uh, very interesting. Anyways, like I said, I've got three uh, new films that I'm going to talk about, but Evan has been catching up on uh, some TV, it sounds like. Yeah. He's finally heeding 
My recommendations, uh, which is nice, although he's still never seen Saving Private Ryan, so we're uh, still going to hold that against him. Um, but but you've been watching some shows, so yeah. what do you what do you got to talk about here? So I've got three shows that I've actually been watching, kind of simultaneously. Two, I think you'll be pleased to hear I'm watching, and one, you'll be very disappointed. Uh, would you like the good news or the bad news first? Give me the good news. Okay, so my wife and I have started watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. And uh, we're into the second season now on Amazon Prime, and we love it, man. Um, you know, your recommendation spot on. I think the one thing that you said that I think I've recognized um, the most is just the witty, quick dialogue. It's so punchy. Um, and Alex Borstein's character is probably, other than Midge, is my favorite. And it's just so quick. It's so fast. It's back and forth, back and forth. And... Uh, and as you said on a previous pod, it really does transport you back to the 50s um, with the, the, the costume design, with the music, with the set design. Um, so, yeah, we've really loved that. Uh, my wife and I have, have absolutely loved that. We're, we're almost through the second season. I mean, I understand they're going to be launching a third at some point because mm-hmm. it's been That's such true. a huge hit. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I already talked about it, so yeah. I don't really need to add too much. But yeah, really funny show. Oh, yeah. I laugh out loud to it. I figured you guys would enjoy watching that. Um, give me your bad news then. Okay, so I've got bad news and then one more good news. So yeah. the bad news is uh, what was just unveiled on Netflix is season three of Riverdale. Oh, shit. <laughs> and uh, this is a popcorn, <laughs> Sam the Popcorn Correspondent favorite. <laughs> and if you've listened to Sam and you've listened to his reviews... Maybe you don't agree with Sam, so, um, but no, uh, so season three of Riverdale, and I've said, I've said this before, it's a guilty pleasure. I literally started it a week ago, and I'm almost halfway through the third season. It's one of those shows that I know is bad, I know it's cliched, I know it's, you know, overly dramatic, I know all of these things, and, uh, you know, and yet I still, I still can't stop watching it. You know, it's like, what do they say about car crashes? It's horrible. You, it's not good, but you can't turn away. The first season of of Riverdale, I thought was actually genuinely good. It was dark. It was unique. It was it was a, a darker than most teen dramas. The second one, I got, I admitted, it got the plot got twisted, tangled, and was overly convoluted. The third is more of the same. The plot, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes they jump from scene to scene. They jump from plot to plot. Things aren't explained, but yet. It's still, they, they do this thing when you know this with shows where they leave you on a cliffhanger at the very end. So even if the episode was bad, you're still advancing ahead on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I just, I, I, I'm trying still to get through season one of Riverdale. Yeah. I, I just, it just didn't catch me. I mean, it's just like this stupid teen drama and I'm not willing yeah. to forgive it for these things. Like if I want to watch a teen drama, I'll watch something that's actually well done, like yeah. Stranger Things or, uh. You know, or or um, you know, a show that I just started watching on HBO, Euphoria. I actually like to watch a little mm. bit, like because it's like, don't watch that with your kids, by the way. But I just, it feels corny and sappy to me. I, you know, but teacher, it is. Or it is. I know no, it is. Like it is. It. I've admitted it's a guilty pleasure. Look, I mean, I have a few movies like it as well. Movies that I know aren't well put together. This isn't a well put together show. It doesn't make sense, but. I don't know what it is. So for that reason, it's a guilty pleasure. I can understand and respect that you don't like it, but for whatever reason, it's a mystery, and I'm curious each time to see where the hell it's stupid show is going to go. Well, you're not alone. A lot of people like it, so I guess I'll just have to accept that. Um, anyways, moving on to uh, our first movie review of the day here. Um, it's a movie that I had a chance to see actually before it had its wide release. Um, it's Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, this movie is directed by Chris Raynaud um, and stars an ensemble cast of voice actors, um, including Patton Oswalt, Kevin Hart, Harrison Ford, Eric Stone Street, Jenny Slate, Tiffany Haddish, Lake Bell, Dana Carvey, Hannibal Burris. So, big voice cast here. Uh, the plot summary on IMDb. Continuing the story of Max and his pet friends following their secret secret lives after their owners leave them for work or school each day. 
this is, of course, a sequel to the 2016 film Secret Life of Pets. Um, as I said, I got a sneak preview of this. Uh, I watched it with my wife before its wide release. Um, and it's, it's probably not one I would have rushed to the theater to see. Um, even though the trailers that I saw, um, were pretty funny. I actually laughed out loud with some of the trailers I saw. Um, and, and the first one was fine. The first film was fine. I liked it. It wasn't great. It wasn't, you know. It's but, an Illumination flick, Yeah, Illumination, right? who's yeah. known for, uh, yeah. um, you know, Despicable Me, um, and some other things like that. So this is not Pixar, but it is in the computer animation. Um, so yeah, I liked the first film fine. Um, and for the most part, I like the same sort of things that I liked about the first one. You know, the pets are cute. They're well animated. You know, they do some funny stuff. You know, it's, it's fun to see, you know, the idea and the concept of, oh, what are pets doing when we're away is kind of funny. Or what they think we're doing when we're away um, is funny. And they sort of play up on, you know, uh, quirky things that animals do, like cats being embarrassed because dogs are constantly chasing balls and they don't care about anything else. So they kind of play up on the funny... Uh, there's a scene in the vet that is in the, one of the trailers that is really hilarious where, you know, there's like these cats that are insane about it brings its owner dead animals and the owner doesn't appreciate it. So there's, they do this funny stuff with like animals and their quirky stuff. So I thought that was well done. Um, but they spoiled it in the trailer. So it yeah. wasn't as impactful in the movie. And seeing the animals on screen and how they're animated is probably about the only thing I liked about this movie. Yeah. Um, it, it was largely a disappointment, um, in my opinion. Um, so did, did you see any, did you see the first I did. Um, and I actually just, it was so unforgettable that I actually had to check my review and I gave it a six yeah. out of 10. Um, and that's, you know, that six, five or sixes are mean average in my book. Six, there was some redeeming quality that brought it just barely slightly above average, but I remember it being pretty forgettable. And, um, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong movie, but if I'm, I'm thinking of this one correctly, it was more child kid oriented and, you know, Pixar sometimes does a good job of looping in adults with adults only jokes. And I don't remember a lot of that. Uh, in this, in the first Secret Life of Pets. And those are things that I always have appreciated in animated film when Disney can sometimes make jokes just for adults. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I gave the first one a six, too. I just had to look it up as well. Um, I think the main thing that this movie struggles from is it's very disjointed. Um, we basically have three very separate stories going on for, like, the first hour of this movie, and this movie's only about an hour and 20 minutes long. Um, we have a, a, a story about Max and Duke, the two main dogs, um, and their adventures with their owners um, on this farm in upstate New York. And at the same time, we have Snowball, who was the villainous rabbit, played by yeah. Kevin Hart in the first one, and Daisy, this new dog, played by Tiffany Haddish, yeah. who's trying to rescue this tiger from a random zoo. And then at the same time that that's going on, you have Gidget, who is the dog that's in love with Max, trying to rescue a bee toy that Max, Max left in her possession from this crazy cat lady. So you have all these stories that are not combined at all that are all going on at the same time. It's almost like the filmmakers had three different ideas and they didn't know which one to settle on, so they just had them going on at the same time, and then they just found a way to connect them at the end, but it doesn't really work fully. It's just like a very fractured story. Okay. So while you're watching each of the individual ones, they can be entertaining at time, but it's really hard to get into any one moment. It's almost like it would have worked better as one of those, like, you know, uh, shorts or specials that they put on, you know, like sometimes if they have a successful franchise, they'll release like a short or something and yep. on DVD or put it on Netflix or something just for kids to enjoy. It's almost like this would have worked better as like three short stories rather than a movie because it was very spastic, almost like the characters we're seeing on screen. Yeah. Uh, the villain in this, who is the guy who's got the tiger at the circus, he is not nice. Like to the point where it's like, like almost scary like almost too much for kids you mentioned that this movie seemed to be geared towards kids i would agree this one was as well but this villain was just mean like he's just abusing animals because he wants to you know this movie even i would say goes yeah that's it i would say this movie even goes as far to sort of make light of things like animal abuse uh like i said there's a crazy cat lady who has like 30 cats in her apartment so they're making light of like animal hoarding yeah uh at one point she's senile and hits someone with a car 
and she backs up and runs them over again. Like they're they're sort of making funny jokes about this stuff because it's a kids movie. But when you actually sit back and watch it, you're like, well, this is kind of messed up. Why are why are they doing this in a kids movie? Um, yeah. So you know. There's some cute moments with the animals at the very end of the end credits. There's some kids that are, they show a bunch of real videos of kids doing cute things with pets over the credits, and that's really amusing. Um, but for the most part, this movie was a big miss for me, and uh, I gave it a 5 out of 10. Yeah. Well, look, uh, we, we, we always hate to overly compare other studios with Disney, but... Um, I was looking back because I was thinking there was a movie with the original Secret Life of Pets. What was the movie I was comparing to it? What was it? Zootopia, which was a great movie. Did you see Zootopia? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was yeah. good. It came out around the same the exact time. same year, around the same time. They were comparable. I don't know if they were comparable release dates, but they were the same year. And I remember thinking, wow, Zootopia was a lot better. A little bit different, but the same kind of idea of animals living in the real world and. You know, and I just remember thinking, yeah, Secret Life of Pets was just back, you know, on the back burner compared to that. Yeah, I mean, Illumination, you know, the Despicable Me movies are well received. You know, people yeah. love the Minions, not me. Um, you know, they, they, they've they done the Disney ones. They did the Grinch movie that I liked a lot. You know, the Lorax movie was all right. Yeah. So it's not like Illumination is, you know, incapable of putting out good movies. Um, I just think that they, this movie was really unfocused. They didn't yeah. know what they wanted to do. Like I said, it's like they had a bunch of ideas, but they didn't know how to bring it together in a cohesive script. Uh, I'm sure little kids will like it. There's cute animals doing cute things. Um, so some people like it. Families will play, like it. But there's a lot better other family films out there. So I would say skip it, unfortunately. All right, you gave me the good news on the TV, and you gave me the bad news. So uh, is, what is this, the middle ground where we're no, at? No, no, this is more good news. I said I've got two two shows that will bring you good news and one that will bring you bad. So the other good news, uh, I've started watching Black Mirror on Netflix. And um, I think it's hard to keep track of the seasons because they're different numbers of episodes and different lengths, and there's not any like true consistency. But I think I'm through three and into four seasons, and this is an interesting show. Um, the first episode's a little bit jarring. You kind of have to get over the whole, you know, pig fucker, excuse my language, uh, episode. But it hits you with that satire really quick, right? I mean, it's a satire true and through and through. And it sets the tone really well. That this is going to be a satire. This is going to talk about the negatives of technology, and it does that. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really interesting season. Um, I will say there's a little inconsistency in how much I've enjoyed each episode. Um, some have been fantastic, some I've loved, and there are others that I haven't enjoyed as much. So, um, you've watched, what, how many? I mean, you know, Black Mirror just came out with a new season with an episode starring Miley Cyrus. I'm not that far. Have you watched the new ones yet? No, I haven't seen the new ones yet, but Black Mirror's... One of my favorite shows on television um, has been for a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's an anthology series for people who don't know. So it um, you know every episode is a, is sort of like a mini contained short film um, about an hour. So yeah, I mean based on subject matter, it's going to vary um, from from episode to episode. Um, but for the most part, I think it's fantastic. I think it presents really unique ideas. Um, it presents sort of uh, an idea of the future that is in the future, but it's sort of at our fingertips. It doesn't feel too far away. Like it doesn't feel like it, it's impossible that we might reach this sort of dark reality at some point. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I think that's what's so compelling about the show. And actually the show has sort of developed a reputation for having an episode based on something that actually comes true. Um, you know, we, there's been, um, there's an episode with robotic bees. I don't know if you've gotten to that one yet, yeah. but that was a, that actually ended up being a thing. That um, was the last one I've watched. One of the prime ministers was allegedly <laughs> accused of actually screwing a pig, um, which of course is the first. And you mentioned you weren't really uh, crazy about the first one, but I think that's because it's the pilot, and you're, you're it going, sets the tone. You're going for shock value yep. with the pilot, and I think that's probably why it came up. And you know. I, I've always said that the pilot isn't really indicative of the rest of the show. I think it goes, the rest of the show sort of 
um, deals more implicitly with technology. Well, the, the first one, the pilot, dealt more in our time with the technology we're seeing today. Many of the episodes beyond that really delve into a new world. And not all of them. There's varying levels. You're not getting the same... You might be getting the same timeline, but you're jumping around on the timeline. Say, say they're going with one timeline for the world. They might be, but it's jumping around from different timelines. And I'll say... Um, just to throw out a few of my favorites, I have gotten through almost all of the third season. Uh, Fifteen million merits was one of my favorites. That was that I think we're led to believe takes it, uh, place way in the future. Uh, the entire history of you had an interesting concept. Um, I also really enjoyed nosedive. I thought that was very relevant in terms of social media likes. Uh, how much we value our Instagram likes and retweets and Facebook likes. That was spot on. But I've got to say, if I uh, were to pick my very favorite to the point of uh, finishing all but one episode through the first three, uh, it's got to be White Christmas, uh, which stars John Hamm. And it was an hour and a half. And from what I've seen, it, it, it was released around Christmas time. The Christmas special. I it was sort it, of a standalone episode. It, it was brilliant. The concepts, it kind of tied together... Um, some some themes and ideas from some of the previous episodes and i thought it was amazing and i i you know what, what the reveal and and kind of exactly what was going on how this was happening mm-hmm. i loved it and so looking through the first three seasons i think that was probably my favorite uh my favorite is san san junipero the one yeah. that takes place on the sort of uh on the beach town uh with the two girls that sort of yeah. meet up and and actually that's one of the few that you could say is actually sort of like a happy story it's uh you know, a lot of these movie or short movies and, and episodes end with sort of this reveal that sort of gives you the heebie-jeebies about technology and what the future might hold. San Junipero, I think, ends with sort of like an uplifting, hopeful vibe to it, in a way, and how technology, maybe we could harness it and use it in a positive way. Although, you know, it's it's obviously got some questions to it, too, but, um, you know, I think that was probably my favorite overall. Yeah, I mean... If I were to go through the first three seasons, that would be in my top five. Um, if for nothing else, is that it tackles it? It really tackles an interesting. Um, it, it, it takes an interesting approach to life and death. Um, there's another episode that tackles that as well, where there's a weird robotic guy who is brought back to life for his fiance. That's weird, but it was good too. But they've tackled life and death a few times. And uh, I really like that one, too. Um, and there's a lot of topics, a lot of issues covered. And uh, with San Junipero, it's one of those where we don't know anything about the afterlife. We don't know because we've never been there. You don't know till you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's got different beliefs and a different set of what they believe. But incorporating technology in that was really interesting. So, yeah, I love the show. It's been great. There's been some episodes that aren't quite as great. It, it, you know, we talked about... Um, we talked about the ESPN series, you know, the 30 for 30 and how you're getting a lot of variety and some are good, some are, and I kind of feel like that's it with Black Mirror, but for the most part, I really do like these episodes and I think it's a good show. Yeah, pretty much overall, it, almost every episode at least presents you with a really interesting idea and something to think about. And, you know, while sometimes I don't know if it's executed as well on screen, um, you're always left thinking. And I think that's sort of something that you can always commend about uh, film. So, uh, yeah, I need to watch the new, the latest season with, uh, you know, Miley Cyrus is in an episode. Um, um, Hawkeye, or not Hawkeye, uh, Falcon, why can't I think of his name right now? Anthony Mackie is yeah. in an episode. There, there are a lot, for anybody um, who doesn't, isn't know, like, it, there are big names. Like, yeah. even in the first few seasons, um, what I thought was cool is in the second episode ever, yeah. uh, 15 Million Merits, which we've each said is one of our favorites, it's the guy from Get Out. Yeah, Daniel Like, like yeah. four years before he did Get Out. So there's like some, you know, some good actresses. Um, Bryce Chad, Dallas Howard is in Bryce there. Dallas Howard's in one, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the, uh, that's also another fun thing. Is John Hamm. Yeah, John Hamm. Is to see like these famous actors and actresses that pop up in these individual episodes yeah. and for the most part get put through hell. So <laughs> it's kind of yeah. fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. But anyways, that's Black Mirror. It's on Netflix, the new season just came out uh, a couple months ago um okay moving on to uh one of the the second movie uh that's a pretty new release that i've seen recently uh it's godzilla king of the monsters uh this movie was directed by michael doherty um, wait michael bay no michael oh, doherty okay sounds michael like a doherty. michael bay film. listen you watch riverdale you're not allowed to judge me all for right watching all right um this is uh directed by michael doherty as i said this movie stars 
Um, Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown of uh, Stranger Things fame, mm-hmm. Ken Watanabe, Zee Zhang, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins, Charles Dance, so uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, who of course is Ice Cube's kid. This is the third film in Legendary Pictures' Monsterverse um, after Godzilla in 2014 um, and uh, Kong Skull Island, which is a movie I actually enjoyed quite a bit. Um, the plot summary in IMDb. The cryptozoological agency Monarch faces off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidira. So, uh, yeah, it's a monster movie. We all know about Godzilla. He's been on film, uh, you know, about 35, 40 times uh, before. So, um, yeah, this is the latest incarnation, and he's battling all his old foes. So, uh, things I liked and disliked about this movie, of course. Um, Some things I liked. Godzilla uh, eventually ends up sort of being on our side, sort of like the defender of humankind against these other monsters. So it's kind of cool to like have Godzilla on our side as opposed to the first film where he's kind of just destroying things the whole time. You know, misunderstood, you know, metaphor for Hiroshima and the atomic bomb, whatever. We all know the backstory with Godzilla. So in this one, he's almost fighting more... I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say for the people, but he's he's quite clearly the monster that we're supposed to be rooting for. So it's kind of fun to see Godzilla and be like, yay, Godzilla, he's our guy. If he can't do it, you know, we're all going to die. But so... Is that the chance? No, that's what I just made up right now. (laughs) Uh, Effects are cool, you know. I think that uh, the reveal of these individual monsters when they show up is done pretty well. Um, You know, they, they sort of give each one of them their own sort of like panning shots and cool looks at oh this is a monster that's showing up um i think they did a good job uh you know creating the feeling that these are like titans godlike creatures that have been here forever and now they're just now emerging for unknown reasons you know i saw uh, doherty talking about this movie in an interview and he said quote i want to put the god back in godzilla and I think they were at least partially effective with that in sort of making these monsters, these mythological creatures, feel like gods, like titans, instead of just like big monsters that you don't care about. I thought they did a decent job sort of making them feel um, real. Um, there's some cool scenes in this. There's an emotional, uh, some emotional deaths, um, you know, uh, with some characters. Um, particularly one who sort of was the the character that was always sticking up for Godzilla. And, uh, you know, uh, he's the main guy who always thought that Godzilla would bring balance and they couldn't kill him and he wasn't a villain. He was a... So there's some emotional... Kyle Chandler's character. No, it's not Kyle Chandler, actually. Kyle Chandler actually hates Godzilla because... he, his, oh. his son was killed during his attack on San Francisco okay. um, in the previous film. So it's a, it's a different character. I, didn't, I don't want to give it away, but um, I think his death was impactful. And I think the idea of this monster verse as a whole is kind of a cool concept, that there's this world that within it exists titans, and people sort of have to learn how to coexist with these titans and monsters. I think it's a good idea. Some things I disliked. I cared more about the giant CGI monsters than I did about basically any character, Mm. except for the one that I just mentioned. Um, So that's not good. (laughs) When the the big CGI characters are the people that you care about more than the other characters. I thought a lot of the characters were kind of bland, with the exception of the one I talked about earlier. They're kind of uh, doing stupid things that wouldn't make sense uh, logically. Um, you know, our, our main characters in this, for the most part, are just regular people. They're smart scientists, or they're um, a kid, in Millie Bobby Brown's case, and they're just doing way too much. How they're able to do the things that they're doing when they're just normal civilians and not trained in warfare or special agents or anything, it doesn't make any sense. They're doing things that they shouldn't be able to do. Like, like Millie Bobby Brown like basically steals the MacGuffin of the movie, and from a security compound and is able to summon all the monsters miraculously mm. from Fenway Park. Like, it, that's just Sounds one... Sounds like of, a plot mechanism. Uh, yeah, there is a plot mechanism. It's just, the plot's very... It's, it's all yeah. over the place, as you would expect in a big, dumb monster movie. Um, also, there's this global catastrophe going on. Like, all the Titans, there's about 20 of them that are supposed to be attacking at the same time. 
And the movie doesn't do a good enough job of showing us just how bad things are. It's like we follow these characters around, but we're not seeing what's happening to, you know, the normal people. Or we're not seeing what's happening to the world as a whole. It doesn't feel like the stakes are as high as they're trying to set it up to be. So, um, you know, it, it was a lot of misses overall. Have you seen any of these MonsterVerse movies? Doesn't no. seem like something you would waste your time on. Well, okay, so I haven't, but I'm just I'm I'm doing a little bit of digging right now, and the original Godzilla, which was from the '50s, was embraced and beloved as like this tacky monster movie that everybody loved. Well, Godzilla, for the most part, is a beloved character. It is. Uh, the '90s, they came out with a movie with Matthew Broderick. It was panned, and then I do remember in 2014 they came out with a Godzilla, and that starred Brian Cranston, and that was actually what relatively I like well reviewed, and you know. Brian Cranston's a well-regarded actor. I don't well, know if he made same. any difference. Well, but. Elizabeth Olsen was in that movie. There's yeah. a lot of good actors in that movie. And, that, and I should say that I actually liked that first yeah. Godzilla well, and yeah. Kong Skull Island, so I was excited to see this. Um, yeah, so obviously this sounds like a disappointment. Uh, did you know that there's a Godzilla vs. Kong in 2020 coming out? Of course I knew that. That is the next film in the... Yeah. Uh, and Kong uh, does make some brief cameo appearances in this movie. Well, it makes sense. Um, I just, yeah. you know, Skull Island was not bad. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't, like, love it, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, but... If this is as bad as you make it sound, it'll be interesting to see when they mesh the two. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that this was a complete loss. Like, I d it was entertaining. I liked watching the monsters do battle. I liked seeing Godzilla kick ass, you know. I thought that, you know, it was well acted for the most part. Yeah. But the characters were just poorly written, yeah. you know. They, they sort of try and explore this sort of natural order stuff where the di you know the, there's some characters who feel like these titans are here for a reason and they will work themselves out and Godzilla's like the foil to the disaster and then there's other people who feel like they're just monsters so they're trying to talk about you know nature and the natural order of things that was kind of underexplored i felt like they had some good ideas but they didn't mm. really fully get there so that was you know something that was an okay idea but they kind of screwed it up a little bit because yeah. they're spending too much time on these big epic yeah. effects driven battles which are well done the effects are good um but you know it just fell a little bit short especially when you compare it to godzilla because i think what that first godzilla movie did well is it sort of stripped away all the craziness and sort of or looked at godzilla as almost human and why Godzilla's here, and what humans did to cause Godzilla to be here, hmm. and how he fits within the human world and the natural world of things. They did that a lot better in the Godzilla movie. I think this one, because we have so many crazy monsters running around, that idea sort of gets lost in the yeah. shuffle. So, um, you know... Uh, Worth watching on IMAX, if you can, because big monsters, big oh, screen. Oh, I'm sure visually it was great, you yeah. know, and it's hard for a movie. I've seen some movies that have been very, haven't been very redeemable beyond their visual, you know, elegance. But there have been a few that I've given high marks to just because of how visually impressive they are. But that's rare, and it sounds like this one... How how impressive it was visually wasn't enough to overcome the plot and the lack of character. Yeah, I, w I would say that's accurate. So I ended up giving Godzilla, King of the Monsters, a 5.5 out of 10. All right, moving on to our feature review. It's a film that I think both of us were uh, really excited to see. Um, it's the second of three live-action Disney remakes hitting theaters this year. Um, it is Aladdin. Uh, of course, you all know the uh, the story, but I'll read the plot summary from IMDb anyways. A kind-hearted street urchin and a power-hungry grand vizier vie for a magic lamp that has the power to make their deepest wishes come true. Uh, this movie is, of course, a remake of Disney's 1992 animated film of the same name, um, which was based on the 1001 Nights um, or at least some of the stories within that. This movie is directed by Guy Ritchie and stars an ensemble cast led by Will Smith, Mina Masood, Naomi Scott, Marwan Kenzari, David Negyaban, Nassim Padrad, Billy Magnuson, and Jordan A. Nash. Um, so a lot of sort of unknown yeah. actors outside of Will Smith, I'd say. Um, but, you know, uh, characters that are actors that sort of fit the look that Aladdin uh, is going for. Of course, it takes place in the fictional Middle Eastern city yeah. of Agrabah. So uh, 
Aladdin, a movie I was really excited to see, of course, because, uh, you know, always interested to see how Disney's going to really translate these live-action remakes. Um, but, Evan, what uh, what are sort of your some of your initial thoughts on the film? Man, this movie was a lot of fun. Um, I went with my wife midweek. It was on a Tuesday at Celebration. Tickets are cheap on Tuesday. It was second day. Yeah, the second day film podcast. And it was packed. Families were there. I loved it. I, I had a great time. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and I was smiling the entire time. And um, one of those movies where we'll talk a little deeper, but on the surfacey of the surfacey of levels, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was just so much fun. Um, I will say this, you know, uh, anybody who's watched the original Aladdin, um, Everybody knows who makes the movie. I mean, it's Robin Williams. He was amazing as the genie. Um, and did you hear a little bit about kind of the backlash heading in? So the, the the filmmakers and Will Smith included released like this little teaser trailer, this little Instagram photo of Will Smith as the blue genie. And people freaked. Yeah. Filmmakers, uh, fans, critics freaked they went nuts they thought it was horrible he looked ridiculous they were like why is he blue this is stupid um but when i and, and, you know but when they actually released the movie will smith all was forgiven um what i really loved i really loved how they took advantage of look special effects i mean a friend like me which the original won a grammy for best song um that was amazing I mean, they took advantage of the special effects. Uh, that was awesome. Like, how fun was A Friend Like Me by Will Smith? Mm -hmm. He added his own hip-hop touch. It was different. It was unique. It was cool. And what I really loved about Will Smith is that they, they gave Genie a lot of time in this movie outside of the Genie. Mm -hmm. He was a real person for much of the film. And I thought that was amazing. And I, I gave uh, Will Smith a huge hat tip. I thought he did great. And I think a lot of the critics and fa film fans came around and said, we were a little premature in saying he wasn't going to be a good fit. Yeah, which is predictable when people overreact based on like one still on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie was a, was a pretty safe, faithful adaptation. It was, yeah. I would say. Um, colorful, elaborate production design. Wonderful costumes. You know, I, I think we probably all expected that. You know, it's Disney. You knew they were going to sort of nail, um, you know, the actual bringing of the vision of the animated film to life. You knew that was going to happen. How, how about the production of the Prince Ali? Yeah, that, that was that, fun. That production was awesome. I mean, all the musical numbers, for the most part, were pretty cool. You know, a lot, you mentioned, uh, you know, Friend Like Me. So, uh, you know the you know the the original uh, will smith starts the movie by singing you know the song that is sung in the be beginning yeah. of aladdin you know all, we get a whole new world of course um will smith's not in that one but you know so it, it was it pretty much was aladdin you know they changed it up a little bit at the end but um for the most part it, it was a faithful adaptate adaptation with great music and colorful production design um I thought that the movie started a little slow, actually. Um, I, I felt like it was a little bit too safe. They're jumping in right into it with Aladdin and Jasmine meeting each other in the market, and you get the, the song from that, too. I thought the, the movie picked up once Will Smith showed up in the Cave of Wonders. When Will Smith came on screen, the movie became way more enjoyable for yeah. me. Um, you know, and that's probably because of his performance. I, Will Smith has long been one of my favorite actors. Um, and to see him in this role... I don't know if there's anyone else who could have brought the genie to life uh, in a live-action film better than, you know, Will Smith did. Um, but and, did you see the criticisms ahead of oh time? Oh, yeah, I did. People I did. were skeptical, and Robin Williams was amazing, yeah. admittedly so. But I thought, like you, I thought Will Smith stepped up and did amazing. I think they jumped the gun, and you sort of touched on this. There's more emphasis in this movie as genie, on genie as a, as a character, as yeah. a human character. Um, you know, like in, in the, in the animated film, Robin Williams, obviously his goal at the end is to become free and he does become free, but he remains a genie. In this one, what we find out, they sort of took it as Will Smith gets to be human. We see him with his kids and his wife, the handmaiden, um, that is a character, an added character, a well-added character, I felt like, yeah. in this movie, to really help make the genie more human. Um, the handmaiden, handmade character, of course, isn't really in the, um, the original, but, uh, she she comes in here, and I think that her purpose really was um, to help 
make the genie more human and to give him sort of uh, a love interest within the story alongside Aladdin and Jasmine to sort of make him feel um, more grounded rather than just this cosmic guy. And I think they did a great job of really making Will Smith's character an all-around well-balanced character. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you really thought Will Smith did a good job because I, I I saw some of the criticisms ahead of time and I thought he ended up knocking it out of the park. I will say uh, one thing that I enjoyed and my wife really enjoyed um, is something that I, I might have to disagree with a little bit uh, on you. You said that you felt like the, the film was very true to the original. And there were some cool scenes that I agree, um, like... I just think of Abu looking into the red jewel, like, you know, and Aladdin climbing to the top in the, the Cave of Wonders. Like, there were great homages to the beginning uh, and the middle. Um, but I thought what Disney made a point to make some major changes in the story arc of Jasmine. Oh, yeah. And the original Jasmine is this damsel in distress, which yeah. Disney has been known for. You'll remember she is literally in this skimpy outfit in chains, in ball and chain, uh, tied up to Jafar. And let's be honest, in today's culture, there's no way in hell Disney was going to do that again. Well, that's the difference you between know, 1992 and 2019. Absolutely. But this was a huge, huge change. It was a huge apart from what they'd done before. And I know my wife in particular loved it. She loved uh, when Jasmine had her own scene. Jasmine had her own original song in this movie, yeah. which kind of announced her independence. Um, and that was a huge, huge step from the original. And, you know, maybe you were going to touch on that too. Yeah, but, I but mean, that, I literally have written down but, female empowerment is huge. But, but that was a big, big uh, distance from the original. Yeah, no, no, I guess... I think that they did different things with the characters. They expanded yeah. on the characters. They made them more fleshed out in this movie. But yeah. the plot is basically the same, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. Jasmine's character. I mean, she. she I mean, they make her salting at yeah. the end of this. Thing. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. She sings the power song. I will not be silent. And yeah. Jafar's telling her she needs to be silent. And um, she's more assertive in this than I literally wrote down. Instead of just being a damsel in distress. Yeah. So we both picked up on that. They definitely like Genie, expanded on Jasmine's character as well. I mean, the, the 1992 Aladdin really is just about Aladdin. Yeah. It's not about... And the, the Genie. Yeah, kind of, but the, the Genie's there to serve Aladdin, and the yeah. Genie works off of Aladdin. I mean, True, yeah. It's all about Aladdin. The movie's called Aladdin. Yeah. You know, in this one, you know, Jasmine has more to do. The Genie has more yeah. to do, for sure. So, I... I, th I agree that they they definitely expanded on Jasmine's character for the better I think I think yeah. that it, it's you know in 2019 you can't just have that damsel in distress especially when you have a powerful figure like Jasmine who yeah. is a woman in power and she needs to move on so um you know I loved it great great music I mentioned that you're right, though. The, the story, you're right the story structure if that was your main point yeah. the story structure and the plot wasn't different I did note, but you're right, you know, but the characters, though, there were some major differences, and that was, you know, when I'm thinking about the original and noticing that, it was a big change. Yeah. This movie was a lot funnier than I thought it would be, specifically the scene when, when, when he's trying to court Jasmine right after he became the prince, and Will Smith is, he's sitting there trying to, like, spit game at Jasmine, and he's talking about the... What was he talking about? Something ridiculous. And, and Jeannie's just, Will Smith's just like, I've never been more embarrassed. Like, Will Smith just played that perfectly. It's like he was doing his Hitch routine from that oh, movie oh with yeah. uh, he, Kevin James. My, my wife even made a reference of Hitch. How about when, when he's trying to help Aladdin dance? Yeah. That it, was awesome. Uh, th those, this movie was funny. I did not expect to be like laugh out uh, loud laughing. So there was some really funny scenes, and most of that comes from Will Smith. He's obviously yeah. has comedic genius written all over him, you know. But the guy who played Aladdin too, uh, I thought that he did a really good job. Well casted movie, uh, Mina Masood, uh, who yeah. was an actor that I don't really know much about, but I thought he was well cast. Naomi Scott, who I really only know as the Pink Ranger in the Power Rangers remake, um, so she, I thought she was well cast, with one big exception, and you might not agree with me on this. Um, I didn't like Jafar. Okay. I wanted more from Jafar. The the actor who played him um, was, uh, let's see here, I'll pull it up, uh, Marwin Kenzari, who again is an actor I don't know much about. I needed more from Jafar. He he seemed kind of generic bad guy to me in this. And, and maybe yeah. you disagree, but in the, in the cartoon, Jafar is sort of this mustache twirling, you know, like 
borderline insane, villainous, crazy, scheming guy. And I didn't get that from this guy. He's feel, he felt too just like normal and like run-of-the-mill villain to me. I wanted more like, maybe I wanted more like ha 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 you know, like cackling, yeah. like in the cartoon. I just felt like he was the one character where I needed more, and he didn't feel like he stacked up enough to Aladdin. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, I don't disagree. I wasn't hugely critical of that. This is going to sound weird, but if you look at the facial dimensions of Cartoon Jafar, the nose to the bottom of his chin is inhumanly long. Yeah. Like, he's got this... There's no human that's ever going to look like Jafar looks as a cartoon character, but his appearance, his look, is part of what makes him so menacing, and... I agree. There, he wasn't as menacing as he is in the original. I think once he becomes a freakish god slash genie, he starts to become a little more intimidating. Um, but you're not the only one who thinks that. There were some people, and this is weird, but there were some people and some reviewers and some fans who thought Jafar was more handsome than Aladdin. Uh, so handsome is certainly not something you want to compliment for the main villain in the movie. But um, I, I didn't think, like, for me, it wasn't like a huge negative or a huge, huge positive. I just think when you've got these cartoonish villains, it's tough to remake them the same way like i've seen i've seen previews for lion king which comes out soon and scar doesn't look in the previews as menacing as scar from the cartoon yeah it's funny you say that because i i wrote down in another maybe i don't know if it's a criticism but this is the first of these live action remakes of course we've had you know jungle book we've had beauty and the beast we've had dumbo we've had this now this is the first where i think there were challenges in making a literal adaptation because if you think about the cartoon, you know, Jafar turns into a big snake at the end. We don't get that in this one. We get the big, you know, he, he you know, sends Yago after him and turns him into like a crazy yeah. parrot, you know. And, you know, we get we get him turning into the sorcerer or whatever. Yeah, the sorcerer but this was the, the first of these Disney remakes where I think that there's an actual, it's actually challenging to take the cartoon and translate it literally to live action. And that's an actually an interesting sort of, you know, uh, struggle that you could have with when you're taking a cartoon and you're trying to make it real life and fit within like a real life world. Yeah. That's challenging to do, and I think that maybe they they ran into those struggles. I don't know what else they could have done. I guess is what I'm saying to make it better. That's a good point, and uh, I think you're right. But I also think so. Aladdin took a, a big chunk of Aladdin takes place in the fantasy world, mm. right? In in some respect, and I think that that's where it excelled at times. The genie. In the original film, it's crazy animation. He's transforming. He's, you know, he's he's doing this, doing that, and because of that, we were lent amazing special effects from Friend Like Me with Will Smith, and it was a plus. And I think that when you've got some of these more outside the box fantasy world Disney films that aren't as set in real world and aren't as grounded in real world, you end up getting the chance for more special effects, but also the chance for more challenges when you have to ad adapt, you know, adapt them to the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, but yeah. And like, I love the special effects in the cave. Yeah. It was amazing. At the same time, I almost love the practical effects, like in the Prince Ali song better, you know, the practical, yeah. just dancers and colorful yeah. everywhere. I almost think I like that more, you know? So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I love, I don't know. Challenge. I absolutely love friend like me with freaking Abu playing the damn drums. Like we, I was laughing my ass off <laughs> that damn monkey beating on the drums. Like the, the symbols where right. he's walking. Right. Around. It on. was super entertaining. It was yeah. great to watch for sure. Um, and the other challenge I think that just in general with these live action remakes is how do you make these movies without like feeling like you're copying, which they obviously are copying, but it's like, it, don't you get these feelings sometimes when you're watching these movies when you're like, oh, they're just saying that because they said that in the first one and it just sort of feels like a cop-out? I don't know. Maybe it's an unfair criticism I, because it's quite literally a remake, but nah, it dude, just feels I like mean, it's like, oh, we're we're doing this because we did this in the original and now it's here. I don't, but, I don't but, 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 there, but would there be more criticisms if they didn't do some I of think those so, things? Probably. So Look, maybe it's a double-edged sword. I think that there's a bigger conversation that we could have sometime in the future about remake fatigue. Because that's Hollywood right now, man. Remakes are everything. Disney's remaking 
all of their animated hits into live action. So that's something that we could talk about down the line. All right. Well, one last thing I want to mention. What did you, Guy Ritchie obviously directed this movie. He's known for doing quirky things in his movies. Like he did the Sherlock Holmes and he, he does the slow-mo stuff. And there's some of that slow-mo in this movie. It felt kind of awkward to me within this movie uh, with, with some of Guy Ritchie's direction and the sort of things he likes to do. Have you seen the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr.? I haven't, He does no. all these like slow-mo like shooting, like sort of like the bullet time stuff, yeah. and he tries to incorporate it in this a little bit. Like with when, what scenes? Well, we... well, Jasmine sings her song yeah. and sort of is like in this alternate universe in her own head. They do it with, uh, you know, Aladdin jumping yeah. off buildings You're and right. flipping around. I guess it felt kind of weird within this I construct of this story. I didn't story. hate it, but now that you're pointing it out, it's a little overly produced. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't really... You know, we've talked about films where, like, we, you and I, we really dive in and analyze them really in many different depths. This movie, man, I was just, I had a ton of fun. And this is one of those movies where I was able to give forgive it of some of its sins and just enjoyed it. At the end of the day... I was if it struck me as a seven point five, but I ended up rounding up. I gave it an eight out of ten, and and really, again, it's one of those movies where I was able to forgive it of some of the flaws because I just had fun. I was smiling throughout all of it. Yeah, I had fun too. I don't want it to sound like I didn't enjoy yeah. watching this movie. I just, um, you know, some of these remakes, I'm just, you know, I, I have to be critical yeah, some at fair. some points, yeah. but it, it was fun. Will Smith, I loved this absolutely. movie. He was absolutely fantastic. I thought the movie was well cast. Um, you know, outside of Jafar, of course, the musical numbers were great. It's here. It's great to hear the songs again. It's great to see Agrabah come to life, the production, the colorful set design. Um, so it's a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't think I liked it quite as much as you. So I, I gave it a seven out of 10. But all in all, I mean, that's a pretty good review from us. And, uh, Disney oftentimes, uh, succeeds. Rarely do they fail. Yeah. So Lion and, King's up next. Yeah, Lion King's up next and Toy Story 4 is out right now. Yep. That's Disney Pixar, so I'll obviously be trying to see that pretty soon too. Uh, we got lots of other stuff coming out. Hobbs and Shaw is coming out. Uh, you know, we got Spider-Man Far From Home yeah. coming out. We've got uh, Star Wars at the end of the year. Um, all sorts of good stuff coming yep. down the pipe here in the busy summer season. But anyways, that's our show for today. Evan? Uh, travel safe down to Florida, down to the Sunshine State. We'll have to get our tech hats on and figure yeah, out right. how to do some long-distance <laughs> podcasts. But um, follow us on Facebook and uh, Twitter at Second Day Film Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Uh, you can get our old episodes at SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, anything else you want to say to the people before you head to the Sunshine State? Hey, you know, I, I it's just it's been a fun stretch. It's been a fun ride, and uh, like I said, you know, as long as Champ and I aren't too. Uh, completely incoherent with technology uh, i hopefully i'll be making an appearance pretty soon here it's been a great ride cool and we thank all you guys for listening and coming along on the ride as well and until next time we'll see you at the movies